0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com.
1: In the next few weeks, the StarCityGames.com Open Series hits Denver and Minneapolis for the first time ever, and these events are going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $10,000 in cash prizes, at least eight players qualifying for the 2010 StarCityGames.com Invitational. Live coverage on the StarCityGames.com website, tons of side events, and as much Magic the Gathering as we can pack into one weekend. So make plans to join us at the StarCityGames.com open series in Denver or Minneapolis.
0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode 34 of Yomtg Taps. This is Joey Pascoe.
1: I'm Big Head Joe.
0: So the first thing I wanted to, uh, wanted to talk about is, uh, from last week's episode, talked a little bit about White Lion Games, and uh, uh, we have, I guess, a little more to, to add to that story. So I'll let you. Go ahead, Joe.
1: Okay, so um, White Lion Games, as I said before, um, really upset me with the uh, unprofessional way they handled my order. Um, so after two plus months, they finally overnighted me a money order for $50, which was around the original amount that they had said they were going to give me for the that they, you know, that it's told me in my shopping cart they were going to give me right before it was reduced to $38, uh, which they couldn't, uh, even justify when I asked them about it. Um, hmm. they're like, well, we have a lot of different reasons for... Adjusting prices, and I remember seeing those cards, and I don't think they were in that bad a condition. Is what he said. So, oh, whatever. Cool. Um, so, I got the money. I got a money order for fifty bucks, mm-hmm. um, which they overnighted to you. They overnighted to me. It cost like I don't. I didn't. He he said. I'm quoting him in the letter that right. He wrote me a letter too. Twenty uh, four ninety five is what he said it cost... I think that's about... It's roughly that. Yeah, I'm guessing that's about right. I didn't bother looking at the envelope. I don't care how much the shipping cost them. Right. Um, And they also sent me nine packs of... Nine boosters. They sent me five Rises of the Eldrazi packs, and four packs, I think, of Zendikar. Um, I'm not going to get too much further into this story today, but... I'm going to post a blog post detailing this whole situation on iwantmymtg.com. I just felt like the whole way they handled it was completely unprofessional. Um I mean, I'm not going to say that I was that I kept my cool throughout the whole situation. I can distinctly say I was screaming at the one guy at one point. But that was after he told me they weren't going to send me a check.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So uh anyway, I'm not like I said. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and get into it too much because it's going to just make me mad. And I want to have a fun podcast. Right. So um, I'll write a blog post uh, when I'm at home brooding one night, and uh, probably in the next couple days, and post it up before we leave for nationals. Um, so speaking of nationals, nationals, that's nationals is coming. Hell up. Hell of a transition up top. Yeah, there you
0: go.
1: So uh, nationals is coming up this weekend. U.S.
0: nationals. That is. Uh, we're going. We're pumped. As much as I'm excited about going to Nationals this weekend and everything that surrounds it, like just the awesomeness that is Nationals, and, and we've gone, you've gone once to, to Nationals when it was in Baltimore, and I've gone twice when it was in Baltimore. You were in Texas the previous time. But, mm-hmm. um, and as exciting as that, as that all is, I have to admit, like the most thing, I, the thing I'm most excited about is actually meeting Mike Flores in person. Because, you know, it, it's like we talked to him online for months. And he listens to the podcast, and I'm like, cool, we gotta get this guy on the podcast, not over the phone with, you know, oh whatever sort of natural disaster con- was occurring in the background. In a controlled
1: environment mm-hmm. where we can control the catastrophes that he's causing. Maybe he just is, like, a superhero. Like, even if he's, like, Magneto, and he, like... maybe And doesn't realize it, and walks, walks down the street, by... and it's just, like, all the metal in the world is, like... Following him and, like, crashing into stuff and, like, people are screaming and running for their lives. Like,
0: my car! Like, <laughs> I'm flying in the air! In my he's, car. Ma- he's Magneto, but everything's, like, 50 yards behind him somehow. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> all, just... all those things. And so he just he's, like, see. a combination
1: of, like, Magneto and Storm somehow. <laughs> and, like, he's creating a tornado of metal that just kind of trails him.
0: Well, I- I'm not sure, like... You know, whether he's Magneto, Storm, some combination. The only thing I am sure of is he's definitely a superhero. We just, you know...
1: Oh, that's a given. We
0: shouldn't mention that, though. Um, oh, yeah. Again, another... Jeez. Everybody keep it on the down, down low. Yeah. Um, but real like, that was... Mike being there and the fact that we would actually get to meet him was was kind of the... the one of the bigger reasons that I decided to pursue the possibility of visiting uh, Minneapolis for Nationals. So I'm really glad we're going to gonna be there. So. so going into this weekend, we have this past weekend was Chinese Nationals, Argentinian Nationals. The Argentina Nationals results, I think, you know, there's a list of names out there, but no deck lists. So basically all we know about Argentinian Nationals is that the uh, the winner is Bonazza Franco. Uh, and then on the national team are Gonzalo Fierro, Martin Quiroga, and Gabriel. Gabriel Messina as the alternate. Um, we don't have any deck lists, unfortunately, just just the players' names. But uh, congrats go out to those guys. The other nationals, which I think uh, is arguably more significant, is Chinese nationals. Because remember, China won the team competition at Worlds last year. Um, and they kind of seem to be kind of an up-and-coming group of players. Um didn't we get disqualified from that? Yeah, the United States did get disqualified. I think Canada also got disqualified. It was um Jay Elrar, the, the Canadian national champ last year, won again this year and he's also the guy that got Canada disqualified. And Gindy was the, the player who was on the US national team and got us disqualified. So um do you remember why they were disqualified? I don't know why uh, Canada was tw- disqualified, but Gindi, remember, was the whole Master of the Hunt... Uh, master That's of the right. Master of the Wild Hunt. The master of the Hunt is from Legends. Right, and Gindi, I, it's, it's the second time I've done that, because the the episode when we were talking about Gindi and Master of the Wild Hunt, I said Master of the Hunt, and you corrected me. So, again, at this time I at least caught myself, but I did make the mistake again. Uh, master of the Wild Hunt being, like, the controversy there at, uh, for the Gindi disqualification. But, um... We talked a lot about that on, like, episode 5. So if you're actually interested in hearing that, go back and download that episode. So China, you know, like I said, they won the world's team competition last year. And so this year, uh, they, the results of nationals this year is arguably pretty significant going into U.S. Nats because it's going to establish the metagame for U.S. nationals. However, due to, a, uh, due to like, the Gansu mudslide last week in China... It was like it's like killed like a thousand people or over a thousand people. Um, China declared a day of mourning for Sunday, August fifteenth, which was the which was day two of Chinese National. So it had to be postponed a day, which means um, as far as I can understand, like it it was it took place today, Monday, August sixteenth. China is twelve hours ahead of us, so right now technically it's Tuesday there. So the results should be available, but at the moment I'm unable to find them. They're not. Um, you know, they're not on Daily MTG. Daily MTG actually does have coverage of China national championships, but the last thing that was posted was day two being delayed. So, um, unfortunately, the best we can give you is the, uh, the deck lists. We can talk about the deck lists that won the LCQs, which is at least some peek at the metagame in, uh, in China. And hopefully, I guess that will give us some idea of the kind of decks that we're going to see at U.S. nationals. And none of these seem to be much of a surprise. Um, Looks... Right now, the LCQ winners, we had six red-green ramp decks, which are all basically kind of uh, big mana ramp decks, going... Playing, like, four Primeval Titans, some of them out of, like, Avengers Endicar. Some of them don't play Avenger, some do. Uh, One, I noticed, played Bloodbraid Elf. Most play Siege Gang Commander. Bunch of mana ramp spells. One played Comet Storm. I thought that was interesting. Um... But for the most part, it's just red-green mana ramp with primeval Titan as as the main creature. Um so there were six of those. That was the the biggest presence in the metagame of the LCQ uh winners anyway. Um we had four blue-white control, mostly stock lists, um the Sun Titan kind of variant. Um nothing too shocking in there. There there was a deck playing like a copy of Seagate Oracle main, which is I guess it's kind of like a fifth wall of omens in a way. You know, right. it's just something, something else. I mean, Seagate Oracle is a pretty great card, but there's nothing, um, you know, particularly exciting about the one copy being in the deck. Like, wow, it doesn't really change the deck much.
1: Being able to get it back with Sun Titan's fun, right?
0: And I think I think that's what you know. It's it's another permanent to re- return with uh, Sun Titan, um, and then we have three Fauna Naya decks. Um, and speaking of Sun Titan, that is a card that. Is showing up in the Fauna Naya builds. Fauna Shaman is just kind of I I said this to you earlier. I think it's like the right now the most defining card in Standard. It's making a huge impact right now. At least it's it's at least the most defining creature in Standard. I think. Um, one combo, which I didn't even think of until I saw it in top decks. Mike Flores's article on the Mothership this past Thursday was Sun Titan with Dauntless Escort. And so a couple of these decks are playing that combo. Basically, you can have the Dauntless Escort, sacrifice it, give your creatures indestructibility, either play Sun Titan, or if you already have one out, attack with it, get the Escort back, and just do that repeatedly. Hmm. I mean, it's essentially giving all your creatures indestructibility until either you know, they, they need to remove one of those creatures from the game. Or, I mean, they can get rid of the, the Sun Titan... Somehow. You know, if they can get rid of the Sun Titan, which is obviously the recursion engine, right? then they're okay. But, I mean, the fact that... Split uh,
1: second, uh, wipe away the Dauntless uh, <laughs> yeah. Escort.
0: Yeah, split second. That'll work. I don't think that's
1: in standard, though. You just put it in the deck and just hope nobody notices.
0: Oh, good call. Good call. Okay, we'll do that. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of Fauna Shaman, again, we have Fauna Jund was one of the decks that won the LCQ. Uh, not too much of a jump to to be playing one of the better green creatures in standard in a deck that plays green cards right um <laughs> so uh, especially a creature based green deck which mm-hmm. is is John you know John does uh john John runs creatures,
1: yeah, I heard this rumor kind of on the down low that like. Discarding something like a Vengevine or something to get a Bloodbraid Elf is usually pretty good.
0: It's, it is, and they, and even the Naya people have heard of that too. Really? Yeah, it's a secret though, so don't say it on the podcast. Yeah, this,
1: I'm sorry, this won't. Be Nobody, posted. everybody listens. Just uh, don't. tell. Hopefully, this won't be posted before people run their national decks. So right, you good call. We don't give away the tech of the tournament.
0: Uh, the last two decks are Goupied Jund, which we all kind of know what that is, and Turboland. So. um... Again, these aren't. Uh, none of these decks are, are new, necessarily, but they uh, gives you a kind of a peek at the, the cards that are really showing up in bigger numbers. I, I think Primeval Titan and Fauna Shaman. I mean, I gotta say, Primeval Titan's definitely the most played card in this list. Six of the Red Green Ramp list are running it, and the Turbo Land. So that's like seven deck lists running it. Um, so one of the big decks on this list. Or one, I'm sorry, one of the decks that is kind of taking standard by storm recently, no pun intended, in, in fact it's not a storm deck exactly, so it's not really a pun I guess, um, is uh, Pyromancer Ascension, and it's not on this list, but I have no doubt that it was in the tournament somewhere. Um, Pyromancer Ascension, now this is a, a deck that people kind of tried to make it work several months ago, I think, you know, pre-M11 and... Even I think back you know world wake I, it might be as far back as before World Wake that people were trying to play Pyromancer Ascension. I'm not sure I know i've you know I've heard rumblings of it little by little, but then it it just never seemed to make a big impact but um and I wanted to talk about this last week, but I forgot about it, but um Flores mentioned it on his twitter ragging on me for saying that it was too too easily hated on back back in episode thirty one we were talking about, uh, we mentioned Pyromancer Ascension because it appeared in one of the other Nationals deck lists, and I kind of was just like, oh, it's too easily beaten because I just assumed that you take care of the Pyromancer Ascension and, uh, and you beat the deck. But apparently that's not the case. Now, I haven't played with it or against it yet. Um, Jerry T wrote an article, Jerry Thompson wrote an article on Star City Games, uh, last week. Chapin mentioned it in his article on Friday. um, there's basically it's, it's it's like lightning bolts. Obviously, pyromancer ascension into the royal mana leak. Uh, it's it's blue red
1: burn lightning.
0: burn deck that just tries to uh, tries to set off the pyromancer ascension and and win that way by repeatedly casting spells and the fact that it can essentially mana leak for six with an active uh, an active ascension makes mana leak basically counterspell right better counterspell. Because who's got six extra mana to pay for anything? Um, the only... One of the disagreements is the sideboard. Some people say no creatures. There's no creatures main. So the sideboard sometimes has creatures. And the Kiln Fiend, I think, was the creature of choice originally. Um, Coral Helm Commander, some people are talking about. And, uh, Chapin mentions Echo Mage being the, the creature that might belong in the sideboard. Um... Echo Mage obviously can copy the spells just as well as Pyromancer Ascension can, so it's kind of a redundancy there. And the uh, Coral Helm Commander is—I mean, it's—it it looks like a Merfolk Lord, and it is, but like it's also a four-four flyer that you know that levels up, you know, just like most of the levelers. You just put the mana into them when you have them. He levels for one, costs only two, two blue, blue, blue. That's it. Uh, and he's a two-two, so that already passes the vanilla test. And his level 2 and 3 is, he's a 3-3 three, three flyer. And his level 4 is, he's a 4-4 four, four flyer, and other merfolk creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. So obviously he helps out other Coral Helm commanders if you actually are playing multiples. Um, so yeah, Pyromancer Ascension, it just seems to be like kind of the new big deck on the block, and it seems positioned well because, how do you beat it? Now, Sam Black wrote an article... Uh, on Star City this past Friday called How to Beat a Standard Deck. And he basically goes and says, every deck is beatable, he's got to know how. Um, and he goes through a lot of the standard decks and talks about the strategies that can can fight those decks well. So um, as far as Pyromancer Ascension, I mean, I'm not going to go into his whole article, but Pyromancer Ascension specifically is interesting to me because I think it's, it is a, such a strong deck. Um, he recommends just Thought Hemorrhage or Teleman Performance, uh, Telemann Performance just should outright win you the game because they don't play any creatures. Um, graveyard Hate slows it down. Um, Leyline of Sanctity is one option, but they also play into the Royal. So when they want to go off and just you know, just burn you to death, they'll just play into the Royal, bounce your Leyline, and then burn you. So it's not as great of an option as it, it looks like it would be. Scotty Mac, I think, uh, likes it a lot. But I don't know if he, uh, I don't know if he's taking into account the fact that they play into the royal for that sort of thing.
1: I would go with either Relic of Progenitus or Leyline of the Void.
0: Yeah. Now, graveyard hate. We were talking about this. You mentioned it earlier, and I, I thought this was something that we should talk about because it really seems like it's almost.
1: Um, so many decks are abusing the graveyard right now, and like, there are so we... many answers readily available at like common in like Shards of Alara, and like everyone's like. Eh.
0: Yeah, it's like we've, uh, we've got Vengevine, which you know is obviously a solid creature to to want to just get rid of. So Vengevine get, takes the graveyard. Um, any sort of attempt at a dredge deck, yeah, uh, blood obviously gassed. blood. Yeah, blood gas is another one. Pyromancer Ascension is using the graveyard, you know, as well. Um, it just seems like is there something else? I feel like there may be something I'm missing, but even those may be enough. To want to uh, to pack graveyard hate, even main deck, or at least sideboard. It just seems like people aren't even running it sideboard. Like I don't even see many relic of tr- relics of progenitus. Like I like usually sideboard. run relics. Well, on you sideboards. do, but I, I'm just saying. I think like I'm talking about like lists I see online. Most people don't seem to be running that. I know you do because you're very aware of those kinds of things and i mean what harrison was playing a deck with like four vengevines and four bloodgasts that one week and yeah um you know i play vengevine a lot and it's now sun titan that's another one yeah another reason to play it um so should we be main decking cards like relic of progenitus no i'm considering I mean, it it's uh maybe maybe not main deck but at least sideboarding it and i don't know something we need to i think people need to consider
1: now the one thing you have to remember about mm-hmm. Relic of Progenitus, especially since people aren't really running it, mm-hmm. is that what the card says is tap, target player removes a card in their graveyard from the game, mm-hmm. so, so they get to pick.
0: Right, so you don't get to choose their Vengevine if there's multiple creatures in there. You just target the player and they choose which card.
1: But but you can also use just, the second ability. And right,
0: to, if, you, if you're in a a uh, bad situation you can use the second ability which is to tap one and sacrifice it Rem- r- remove all, right. all
1: card tap one remove it from the game remove all cards and all graveyards from the game draw right. a card
0: right exactly so uh the interesting thing is you can give them an opportunity to make a mistake if you want by tapping it and seeing if they just stupidly decide to remove the creature that you wanted them, or the card that you wanted them to remove anyway like, if, if you're sitting there and they have, like, O-Ring and Wall of Omens in their graveyard and a Sun Titan in play, and you're like, crap, I want to play my Planeswalker, but they have O-Ring, and you, you know, you tap it, now they have to choose between Wall of Omens and O-Ring, maybe, maybe they're going to choose the O-Ring, you know, something like that. But, I mean, that's,
1: I can't, you can't, I, I mean, I'm get I'm, I'm one, I'm asking here, <laughs> is it against the rules for me to, to tap it and go, oh, remove that O ring from the game. Like, right? Like, like, I just that to that make a, a friendly suggestion, like, I, and, and if they don't know what the card, if they don't understand what the card does. Right, you just keep, keep does, telling them what to remove. Just keep telling them what to remove. <laughs> oh, remove that O ring. You definitely should remove that O ring. Yeah, O-ring. remove
0: your O ring? Yeah, it's just.
1: Oh, I definitely. Oh, I don't want to see that. Like, so, Oh, I don't want to see that Vengevine in your graveyard anymore.
0: Yeah, that's an just, interesting. Uh, kind of Jedi mind trick, right? I mean, you, you, if you say, I'm going to tap the relic and use its first ability, targeting you, uh, remove your O-ring. You know what I mean? Like, you said exactly what you're going to do, and then you said, remove your O-ring. I, I don't know. Where's the line there? I mean, that... It's it's an interesting question.
1: <laughs> if anyone um, knows the answer to that, I'm pretty sure... I'm sure... Yeah, we should definitely hear some feedback. It on this, seems like you could just do that.
0: Right. I mean, I've said things in games... You know, like, jokingly, and I think it's very clear that I'm joking when somebody, say, plays a Jace and bounces my creature, and I'll say, oh, you don't want to bounce like your creature? You know, like, obviously I'm kidding. But like, uh, Yeah, whenever whenever so... someone
1: plays a Jace and I have, like, a nasty creature that I know they're just trying to move, I automatically, like... Go for like my wall of omens or like my uh, right. my one eight seven creature. I'm like, hmm? and they're like, no. I'm like, uh, I put it right. down. So it's
0: like, isn't it? Isn't it along those lines? I just start
1: tapping. I just start tapping the creature that I want them to bounce. I'm like,
0: right, I start right tapping
1: it and exactly. looking at them suggestively.
0: Yeah. So I mean, what's, what's the difference here? Is there a difference? I mean, it's right along those same lines.
1: Yeah, so but I it. think that like it's one of those cards that like some few people actually play. That yeah, like you could definitely you could totally get away with that mind trick. Yeah, if it's allowed, if it, it's something right. that is kosher to do, you could totally get away with right. it.
0: What if you just you know say, you know I'm I'm using relic, relic target your relic's first ability targeting you, O ring, and then they remove the you know what I mean what, what is it exactly you know it, it seems like it would work like it seems like it should be okay. Yeah, don't, you know, don't, don't I, say it would work, necessarily, because no, someone's
1: going to go, look, jerk, I know how the card works, but...
0: Uh, right, well, in that case, it's the same situation where you're like, you want to bounce my Wall of Omens? You know, it's like, uh, you know, just... Yeah, I'm just kidding. Something like that, but... Uh, I don't know, but yeah, anyway, as far as Relic goes, the other the other thing is, you don't have to tap it to use a second ability, which I think is relevant, because you can... You, you want to kind of use it every turn. Now, if they do something while it's tapped that puts something in the graveyard that you want to remove, you can then pay pay one and remove the relic from the game to just remove all graveyards from the game. It
1: doesn't tap.
0: Right, it doesn't tap. That's what I'm saying. So if there's a situation where the relic is tapped because you used its first ability, you can still use its second ability. Right. It doesn't require tapping it. It's a good card, really. I mean... It costs only one, and it goes in every deck. Unfortunately, we're going to lose it in the fall, but hopefully um, we'll see something to maybe to replace it. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Maybe we'll see Tormod's Crypt again. I don't know. Tormod's Crypt was Dominaria, though, not Mirrodin. Mirrodin. But uh, on the subject of Scars of Mirrodin... We did find out what Memoricide does. Yeah. It's cranial extraction.
1: It is, minus the arcane. Minus
0: the arcane, which is not relevant, because if it had arcane right now, that wouldn't be relevant anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's horrendously irrelevant, which is yeah. why they had to make a functional
1: reprint. Right, exactly. They couldn't exactly. just say cranial extraction minus... Like, that was the name of the new card. Right. Cranial extraction minus arcane.
0: Right. Yeah, it's... it's uh, if For those of you who didn't play around... Uh, or didn't play with Cranial Extraction, or don't know what it is. It's a sorcery from uh, from Kamigawa, Champions of Kamigawa. It's a rare, or it was a rare. It, I think it's a rare, again, uh-huh. in Skars. Rare both ways. Um, it costs a black and three, and you name a non-land card, search target player's graveyard, hand and library for all cards with that name, and remove them from the game. Then that player shuffles his or her library. So, um... Member is name a non-land card's Search target player's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with that name, and exile them. Then that player shuffles his or her library. So it's it's exactly the same except cranial extraction is arcane, which again is irrelevant right now. And um, it says search for all cards with that name. Memoricide says search for any number of cards with that name. As far as I'm concerned, I, I thought it was always legal to fail to find. Right and, and I mean if, uh, as far as I know, that's still the possible I mean that's still the way it is, so I would think that functionally they they're the same. You could still I think play a cranial extraction and just fail to find I mean, what if you literally didn't see the card? you know what I mean, what if you say you you know they're running four copies of a card that most decks only run three of, and you search through and grab three and get rid of it and and don't realize that you've failed to find the fourth so. I don't think that's necessarily illegal, so I think it essentially is a functional reprint besides the Arcane. And again, Arcane is irrelevant right now. So so um, that is the buy-a-box promo for, um, for Scars of Mirrodin. That's another thing I think is kind of interesting, is because, like, how does this card... You would think a buy-a-box promo would be more representative of a set. So, I mean... Or at least something big. So, like, what was the first Buy a Box promo? Was it Day of Judgment for Zendikar? Was that the first time they did a Buy a Box promo? I feel like it was.
1: Honor of the Pure.
0: Oh, oh, that was right. It was M10. So, M10 is a core set. Honor of the Pure is pretty splashy, but it's a, and it's a core ability. It's kind of a, a new crusade. So that being the Buy a Box promo made sense, I feel like. Um in Zendikar Day of Judgment was the buy box promo and i think that was relevant because it, everybody was so disappointed that we lost wrath of god well many people were disappointed that we lost wrath of god day of judgment comes back and it's like oh my gosh it's the new wrath and so that being the buy box promo sort of at least made sense too even though it wasn't it had nothing to do with like landfall it at least was like a big splashy card that people were worried about losing, and, and yes, since the Buy a Box promo tends to be one of the earlier cards spoiled, it's almost like, stop flipping out about Wrath of God here. You're going to have it back. You're going to have, essentially, Wrath of God back. Worldwake, Celestial Colonnade, a man manland, that's certainly representative of the set. Mm-hmm. Rise of the Eldrazi was a leveler, again, a representative of the mechanics of the set. Um, M11... ...was Birds of Paradise. It's a core set. Birds of Paradise is one of the most recognizable and mainstay cards of core sets since the very beginning. Right? The only other set it was printed in was Ravnica, and then a bunch of core sets. Except for 5th edition. Right. Well, I mean, like, it, everything that it was printed in was a core set, except for Ravnica.
1: Right, right, right. Um,
0: I'm not saying it was in every core set. Um, so that still makes sense to me, like, being Birds of Paradise... Memoricide is the first one that seems to somehow break the pattern. Like, to me. Like, is this a... Like, what is this set? You know, this set, it seems like everybody's expecting it to be artifacts, and I don't think we're wrong. Um, So, what... Like, Memoricide just doesn't seem like it has anything to do with it. I'm not, I'm not saying the card... I'm not even... Uh, I'm not knocking on the card. It's a great card. I'm glad to have it back. It's awesome. But I... Feel like it's a strange choice for a buy box promo, that's all. I feel like Wizards makes a lot of strange choices, but the biggest example of that is the M promo choices, which always throw me. Speaking of which, the newest one is Kasali Pride Mage, which I don't think we've mentioned. Awesome
1: card! Awesome. Great,
0: I get to use it in my standard deck for a couple of weeks. Yeah, but Great. then you
1: get to use it in New Extended. If you And you get New to Extended. use it in Legacy, and it's even played in Vintage. Right. It's an incredible it. card Absolutely. to have for those people.
0: And so I'm saying, print it in, what is it, September's? Is it September? Yeah. Okay, so printed in September 2009. So we can play it in standard at the F&Ms that we go to play. Hey, they printed
1: Bloodbraid Elf.
0: Yeah, I know. And Bloodbraid Elf was was one of the ones that I can say was the exception, not the rule, in that they printed it in time for people to actually play with the card.
1: Well, here's the thing. New Extended is going to be supported, including by myself. I've had players asking me to run New Extended tournaments every week. Yeah. Um, and, like, I might. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I might run New cool. Extended tournaments every week if we get a big enough... Uh, interest in it um, and with um, with an artifact quote artifact block coming up and working its way into new extended um, the card is going to be relevant and i mean,
0: yeah I'm not saying it's not relevant I'm saying it's not relevant to standard which is the format of f and m s right
1: right no that's so true. that's
0: that's my question i' i don't new extended is a new right. thing right this f and m promo thing has been going on for A long time. Well, you
1: can trade me all of yours. I'm not
0: unhappy with the card. I'm just trying to say, like, the way they do things seems strange to me. The timing is what seems strange.
1: I'm going to be trading for those, like, crazy. Awesome.
0: You can keep doing that. That doesn't make... That doesn't justify the timing of it. That's all I'm questioning. So, like, it's awesome. I love Kasali Pride Mage. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with printing Kasali Pride Mage as an FNM promo. You keep, like, derailing me from my argument, which is, yeah, print Kasali Pride Mage. Like back when you were printing something from Lorwyn block, you know, last summer, like when it was about to rotate. Like, stop giving us cards that we only get to play in standard F and M's. You're giving us these for F and M. That's the that's what it doesn't add up to me. Like, you're saying here's a card you get for playing standard.
1: What's the F and M promo this month?
0: Um, I don't even remember.
1: Frozen grip.
0: Frozen grip. That's another, it's a, exactly that's why I don't remember. Because like it's not it's even not, played no. in. It's, it's not, not even true.
1: played in extended. It will be until the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. These these are cards for EDH players. They're cards for legacy and vintage players. And, right. and these people exist at FMs. So. And I'm
0: not saying that they don't, but I think I just find the timing strange to me. Like, um I, I guess what I'm saying is I want these cards that they're printing, but not not at the point where it's, like, too late. It's 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 too late. You know, too little, too late, or, or something. They printed Cloud Post a couple months ago. I agree. That's, out loud. I, I'm saying that's another example of the... Ex- I'm saying Bloodbraid is the exception. You're naming the rules. You uh, know, these are weird choices to me. That's all. That's what I'm saying. These, why Why is Anathomancer being printed now when they could have printed... I mean, Alara Reborn came out last spring. Now, I understand Anathomancer wouldn't have come out last summer because they, I guess it was too new of a set. But, like, they've had multiple months to print Anathomancer, and they're going to print it in July or August, yeah. you know? Like, uh, two months before it rotates. And here's Kasali Pride Mage in the month that the, the, the set that's going to push it out of Standard is released, like or, or the pre-releases. Like I'm going to go to an FNM at the end of September and get a card that I'm never, literally never going to be able to play in another FNM. You know, like, I just don't like that. I mean, I'm not saying, uh I mean, obviously Cloud Post and Krosan Grip, same thing. I just think that the card choices are questionable sometimes, but the timing is even more questionable to me. There's two arguments. There's two things that people tend to complain about. and I, And I'm, a lot of this, really, like, I don't care that much. I'm arguing this more of a debate because we're talking on a podcast here and I, you know it's a subject to talk about and it is something that confuses me. I just find it questionable. I don't really care. I don't care about running whether I'm running the regular non-foil Alari-born Kasali Pride Mage or the cool-looking art FNM promo one. It's not that big of a deal to me, but I, I want to present the arguments and and the side that I understand. So that's why maybe I sound a little bit more fired up I definitely sound a little bit more fired up to myself than I really feel about yeah. it. But I do see these arguments. Now, from what I understand, the two arguments, one is the timing, which I've mentioned, and two is the card choices. Right now, card choices, um, sometimes they give us cards that are in standard but nobody plays with. Like, Anathemancer is one example. Fringe playable. Like, only fringe playable. And, you know, the the opposite argument to that is like well they were trying to predict what would see play Anathemancer, for example you know people people are running a lot of non-basics maybe they were just trying to predict and they and you know that's what they chose based on the time limit that they had like whatever cutoff date when they have to choose the fnm card they just have to predict what they think is going to be played right so that, that seems to make sense sure right so if that's the case, if there's some early cutoff date when they need to figure out what it is and predict it, then then uh, we should see these cards when they're actually like earlier in the season, right? So if they needed to ch- predict what's going to be played out of Alara Reborn, and they predicted Anathomancer and Bloodbraid Elf, then why did it take a year for those cards to, to be printed as FNM promos? Like, really? The cutoff is a year early? Like, a year before they come out? Like, why did it take so long? If, if the uh, the other, the, the the opposite is true, which is, we wait to see what is played, and that's why they end up showing up so late. Then every card we see should be something that's really good, you know, like Kasali Pride Mage, and Bloodbraid Elf, right? These should be. We shouldn't be getting cards that are like, who plays this, or like very, you know, nobody really plays with this that much. Not many people play with it. Like, wh- I don't know the the timeline, how long it takes for them to between we decide this is the card and this is when it's available to be able to send out. I don't know what the timeline is, but it seems really weird to me that it's like if you're trying to predict and you're you're trying to predict the metagame and you're wrong, then the card should be coming out sooner. Right? So you predicted wrong, we got, you know, something like Skyclaw Thrash in the uh as the FNM promo for, for June two thousand nine because we were thinking it was such a good card and, you know, it just didn't see, you know, we just guessed and it then never ended up seeing play. But we, you know, it came out two months after the set, right? If, but if they're waiting, if they're saying, well, the reason Kasali Pride Mage and Bloodbraid Elf are so late, a year after the set is released, is because we wanted to wait and see what was played. Then every card we get should be a relevant, like, standard card that we're seeing. Like, we should be seeing Wall of Omens. Oblivion Ring, they did that. Oblivion Ring was a great option, but Oblivion Ring had been around since Lorwyn, so they had plenty of time to determine, oh, Oblivion Ring's a good card to choose. But, um, you know, we should be seeing things like like Wall
1: of Omens and... Well, of course, Wall of Omens. I mean, Wall of Omens is, like, one of the most obvious choices... Um, right, I so think but that I hope we don't almost... end
0: up with it in September 2011. Well, why? I mean you like, want like, well, Because I want it if you're going to give it to us, to play for standard events as a reward for playing well, standard events. Well, why don't you
1: go work for Wizards okay. and make all the decisions, okay. and then you can have all the cards you want exactly when you want them. Then you also won't be able to play in any DCI-sanctioned events, so it won't matter.
0: I don't really care. I'll play... I'll work at Wizards. I'll, I'll try to I'd play. rather work at Wizards than playing these <laughs> events, too. Right. That's not a problem at all. Absolutely
1: so. not. But anyway, um, here's the way I look at it. They have a pattern. It's a clear pattern. It's a pattern of not giving a crap when something is relevant and standard, okay? And that's the way that the promos have gone, it seems, uh, for a while, and and that's fine like they are just printing cards that are iconic for whatever reason to whomever maybe to R&D they don't care they're like oh remember when we used to do all this stuff with the yeah let's get someone else to make some different art for that boy and put it out again yeah <laughs> look at that art he looks like a fat wizard shooting junk out of his staff like great you know like there we go there he is, Anathomancer. Now I got a shiny one to play against you, boy. And, uh... Right. And,
0: I, I, no, and you're right. I mean, it's... Uh, we've talked about this in past episodes, too. Like
1: They're free cards. They're free. They're
0: rewards. But it just seems to me that... Mm-hmm. I just want to know the logic behind it. You know, like, it just doesn't seem like it follows any sort of logic. You know, we get cards that are... I, I mean, and Kasali Pride Mage is the one that kind of got me thinking about all this. Like... I it's
1: played an EDH. It's an EDH staple. Any any green right. white EDH deck, which there are a lot. Was it not
0: being played in EDH last year?
1: I don't know. I, don't I mean, like
0: a year ago I or don't September two thousand nine. They
1: were giving it because because they were busy giving us, They were giving those cards out right. last summer. They
0: were busy giving us Muldrifter just before it
1: rotated. Right. Right. Like that's what I'm saying. I'm like, saying
0: why why can't they give us these cards when we can play them in? They standard? do.
1: They give them to you in the sets that they're in. Because they want you to buy the booster packs to get the cards you need to build your deck. So you're saying that
0: they, it's just a sales thing? Like, sure, so everything's kind of a sales thing. No, no, no I they're like, a big
1: business. What do you expect them to do? I mean, like they, they're not going to go, hey, we just put up this set, and our success and our ability to continue making this product that you enjoy rides on how many of these packs you purchase from us. So here's the main card you need. For free, and you need to win events to get it. So you're going to spend a month not buying any packs, trying right, to win your uh, playset of those cards. Yeah, this
0: doesn't make any sense. Like the only card worth buying packs for is Mold Drifter. So we're just not going to make that an FNM. No, but <laughs> uncommons
1: are are certainly uh, way like uncommons are a better thing to go fishing for in packs than like rares or mythics. You know, and and especially uncommons. Uncommons are the things where you're like, oh, I opened like four or five packs, I'll probably get one, I only need one more. And then plus, I get a couple things I can trade. You know, so like, maybe I'll even get a mythic rare. You know, so like, you buy five packs, you maybe get the uncommon you want, you probably don't. And then they go, oh, I better buy five more packs, let me get five more packs. But then they're like, oh man, I got a, you know, I got Grave Titan, that's awesome. So they buy five more packs. Oh, there it is. And Wizards got ten packs, and they got the one card, the one uncommon they needed for their deck, and some trade fodder, which may or may not have equaled the amount of money they spent on the packs. So, like, whereas they could just, I mean, they could just buy the card for ten cents from the local store, but most people don't want to do that, because I don't know why. There's some sort of weird, like, (laughs) stigma against buying singles for, like, so many players. Especially new players. Yeah. Like, three bucks? Oh, I don't want to... Three dollars for a card? That's ridiculous. Can I have ten packs of Zendikar? (laughs) It's like, um, seriously? What did you open in your packs? Uh, was it Balogad the... You know, like <laughs> predatory urge and Giganta <laughs> foil Gigantiform Predator's urge in the same pack. There goes my mono green deck. Like,
0: <laughs> and that's exactly why, because the new players just need cards, not specific cards necessarily, but just cards. Like, not as specific. Now, it's, I'm generalizing, true, but true. you know, to them, it's just like I play green. I just need green cards. No, no specific green card. Just as long as it's green, I'm gonna read it and I might put it in the deck. That's it. But you make a good point with the F&M stuff that the I think I think that may be one of the best arguments I've heard. It which is people buy packs for uncommons, you know what I mean, more than any other rarity, I think. Yeah. You know, I I mean at least in in reasonable quantities. You know, n- people buying six cases are not buying them for uncommons. Right. Six boxes they're not buying for them, them for uncommons. They're trying to get the rares, but People buy individual packs or small groups of packs for uncommons. So maybe that is part of wha- the reason they don't want to put these cards out so quickly. But right. I don't know. It's just something I thought about. And it seems, you know, it's 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 exciting to get these promos. It's it's exciting to go, oh, an FNM promo for next month is. And you're like, what is it? What is it? What is it? Because I want to know what it is because I'm excited. It's going to be alternate art. It's going to be foil. This is ex- exciting. It's... A card you're not going to be able to play with if you don't play anything other than standard and then it's like, oh, it's a disappointment to people who and and standard is the most played format right people who who may not play edh and just play standard they kind of get you know they get the short end of the stick you know players that play standard and don't maybe they, maybe they only can play every Friday. Friday night, so they only get a chance to play once a week. Friday night magic. They're only into the game casually, but they don't play EDH because they don't have that opportunity. And they're gonna get a card that it's kind of like, what can I do with this? Like, here's my green white deck with, and I managed to get Vengevine and stuff, and and I just top forward FNM, and I can I get this Quasali Pride Mage, and oh, it's September today, September twenty fourth. I can't play this, in my I can't put this in my deck. Like you know what I mean? Because I gotta take the Casali Pride Mage out of my deck for next F and M. You know, and it's it seems like I think it's great that they give out these promos, but I feel like Cloud Post and Cross and Grip and these kind of things that are not um that are not standard legal should be promos for, for other events, you know, for maybe other things. Now where where was Core Firewalker? He wasn't an F promo. What was he? He was a gateway promo. A gateway promo, okay. So I mean, I don't even know what that's supposed to attract. Gateway seems like new players. The gateway promo right?
1: is like just something that's given out to tournament organizers. Um, they're specifically focused on like the uh, gateway uh, mm-hmm. tournament organizers, and as a way to entice players to attend events, so that you can get more players and get to core status, so you can run FMs and get the FNM promos.
0: So it's kind of uh, it's kind of like an FNM card that you can give away at any time. For any at, reason. For any reason. Okay. So I feel like that might even be a better place for th- these kind of cards. You know what? I mean, I don't know. That's Except just a,
1: for Curse of Wizardry. Jeez.
0: Well, Curse of Widgery, Wizardry should just never have been a promo. I don't understand that. But anyway, I just think that, that if you're going to have an event if you're going to have a promotional item for FNM, which is a standard tournament, right? Th- are you allowed to run other formats as FNMs?
1: You're allowed to do standard, booster draft, sealed, and two-headed giant sealed, and two-headed giant standard, I believe. But the only constructed format is standard. standard. Hopefully right. they'll change that, frankly. And, I, and they,
0: they might. And, then, and that would kind of nullify a lot of my argument anyway. But part of... Part of what I'm saying is that it's a standard event it's Friday night magic and the only constructed constructed format you can play is standard and so when you get these cards that are supposedly rewards for these for playing in this format I feel like you should be able to use them at those same events in the future because obviously you can't use them in the past it's kind of hard difficult I want to yeah you know what I mean <laughs>
1: okay. I, I want the I w- If 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 their
0: FNM promos could time travel, that would also solve the problem.
1: If only there was a way to get this laptop up to 88 miles per hour. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap up. Um, Because
0: we're just going to have to attempt to get this up to 88 miles per hour, and I just don't think we should record that part. Um, So, upcoming events. I want to mention this weekend, obviously, Nationals. Also this weekend is the Star City Games Open Series in Denver. So if you're not making it to Nationals, Try to make it to Denver. So that about does it for this episode. Uh, Next episode will be coverage live from U.S. Nationals. Again, live to us, pre-recorded for you guys. (laughs) But it will be recorded at Nats. Um, And we're going to try to get as many awesome people on the podcast as we can. We've got enough
1: awesome people just staying with us. It won't even be hard to find people. It
0: shouldn't be uh, an issue at all. There's going to be some... Awesome people there, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna try to get as many as we can on the episode. So episode 35, don't miss it. YoMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website, IwantmyMtg.com, for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at yoMTGtaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at YoMtgTaps.